force is strong with him. He is to be trained then? No. He will not be trained. No. He is too old. He is the chosen one. You must see it. Hmm. Clouded this boy's future is. I will train him then. I take Anakin as my Padawan learner. An apprentice you have, Qui-Gon. Impossible to take out a second. The code forbids it. Obi-Wan is ready. I am ready to face the trials. Our own counsel we will keep on who is ready. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 429, When the Teacher Says No. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Anakin Skywalker to my Luke Skywalker, we've got Carl LeClaire. That's fair. I am the angrier of the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always the one... Looking away, you know, as I, you know, looking across to the horizon, to the future, never my mind on where I am, what I am doing, you know, <laughs> things like that. Uh, but anyways, I, Jason, how's this, it going? Good, good, buddy. And <laughs> this is an episode I'm, I'm really excited to talk about uh, something we've never really done before. We're going to look at three, three key scenes from each trilogy where ultimately a, uh, a, a Jedi master kind of refuses the training of a potential student. And we're going to look at the moment in Phantom Menace when the council initially declines Anakin's being trained. Then we're going to look at the moment in Empire Strikes Back where Yoda admits his reluctance to train Luke. And then, of course, the uh, moment in the tree cave in uh, Last Jedi where Luke indicates that he will not be training Rey. So, you know, what's going on there? Why why are all these folks saying no? And what is the impact it has on their potential protégés? Uh, that's what we're going to be looking at in this episode. And I, I'm excited to have this uh, this deep dive question uh, looking at, what you know, what do we do when uh, we have, have these hopes and dreams in store for ourselves and then someone tells us no? <laughs> and uh, right. and the disappointment that that can create and, and, and how these characters... And these systems responded to that in Star Wars. Um, so this is a, I think this is a conversation that's going to be a lot of fun to have. Um, but uh, definitely a new one. Like I said, in, in the almost ten years we've done this podcast, this has been a topic that we have never addressed. So I'm excited for just on that, you know, front alone because I'm like, there's still something new <laughs> that we haven't even come close to talking about, Carl. I know. <laughs> Always, always so much fun when that happens. Um, But uh, before we get into that topic in itself, uh, we had a poll last week 
where we asked all of you a very difficult question. And I think uh, those of you who, who did respond, again, thank you for responding. I think you struggle to give your answers, just as Jason and I struggled with our own answers. But we asked you what your favorite Legends novel was. Um, so we, you know, we did specify novel. Um, but, you know, there, the Legends canon ran for, you know, nearly 30 years from essentially 91 to 2014. Um, so... There were a lot of novels packed in that time, and we asked you which ones were your favorites. And uh, uh, as always, when we ask a kind of very broad, big question like that, we get a plethora of responses. So, Jason, what did folks have to say were some of their favorite Legends novels in the Star Wars universe? Oh, man. A plethora of responses indeed is what we got. Um, Just so you know, folks, we had a two-way tie for first place. And each of those only got three votes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, there, I will let you know. There's a few uh, answers I kind of combined uh, because you know some of them were specific books in a trilogy. So I kind of sometimes combine those just to kind of keep things a little bit more neat. But if there's specific titles in said trilogy or whatever, I'll make sure to uh, give them a shout out in this as well. But. In third place, with one vote each, we have X-Wing Rogue Squadron, Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void, Death Troopers, uh, the New Jedi Order novel Betrayal, New Jedi Order Vector Prime, Revan, Kenobi, Trial of the Jedi. Um, then, Carl, you have two here, uh, Shadows of the Empire and Heart of the Jedi. Yes. Uh, which was the unpublished Star Wars novel that kind of leaked out there here not too long ago. Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. What, uh, what makes you pick those two? Uh, you know, if I really think about it, um, you know, there there were Legends novels that I remember loving a lot more than Shadows of the Empire, for instance. But Shadows of the Empire is a novel that I've read consistently over its 25 years of existence. So for that very reason, it's like that's got to be a favorite. Like it is a favorite. I read it. I read it regularly enough. And then to be completely mm-hmm. honest, like, I, you know, that Heart of the Jedi book was so good. It was this beautiful spiritual quest for Luke and the characterization of both Han and Leia were so well done. And, and the Legends canon, I feel like, often falls short very heavily on Leia and even a bit on Han. So for it to kind of nail both of their characters and their developing relationship was really wonderful. Um, but since I have the mic, Jason, and uh, you know get to co-host the show, I'm also going to give an honorable mention to Tatooine Ghost, which we obviously talked a lot about last week while while talking Heir to the Empire. You and I both, because I, I read that for the first time just last month, and Tatooine Ghost is is up there as probably one of my favorite Legends novels as well. It's just so fun. Um, it, you know, it's an underrated one and one I think people should should not skip um, yeah. if they are doing a Legends read through. Um, which is a lot of books, by the way, just right, in case right. anybody interested. It really is. It um, really is. We're not the best place to, to tell you kind of if you want to do a, a read-through, what to do with that. There's other, there's other podcasts and pages out there that will help you with that, but we can give you our personal favorites at least, um, including <laughs> mine, which also only had one vote, um, and that is The Approaching Storm. Um, 
which is the the novel that takes place directly before Attack of the Clones uh, with Obi-Wan, Anakin, Illuminara, and Beresofi. Uh It may not be technically my favorite, but it's the most memorable Star Wars novel I've read. It's the one that has stuck with me the longest, So, and I couldn't pick a favorite, so that's why I put, picked this one. Um, that being said, we've got a couple here for uh, second place with two votes. Votes. We've got Republic Commando, specifically Triple Zero, uh, with two votes. And then we've got Plagueis, uh, which very good book, uh, yeah. with two votes. And then we've got, a, like I said, a two-way tie with um, first place with three votes. We've got the Darth Bane Trilogy and then the Thrawn Trilogy, specifically Dark Force Rising, was highlighted in there. Um, so... There we go. That's uh that's a very wide swath of legends novels for you folks. Um a lot of stuff covered in those. And it, it's it's a question I figured we'd have a lot of responses, Carl, because it's a question that has about as many answers as people who will respond to the question. Yeah. So for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, as always, thank you to those of you who took the time to to kind of write in and, and, and share your thoughts. And I, I would say from, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't been using the social media nearly as much lately. I've just, just kind of taken a step away from it, but the, the couple quick times I checked in, it, it, it does seem like the folks that specifically voted for the Thrawn trilogy, as well as the Darth Bane stuff, there's a lot of love for those particular stories. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, I've never read the, any of the Darth Bane stuff. So it, it kind of a nice reminder of like, yeah, maybe I should check those out. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I've never read them either. My brother has, and he loved them, but he's also very much into the villains. So, uh, but it would be interesting to check out because it's a it's an area of Star Wars I don't really visit a lot. So yeah. you know, yeah, me neither. And uh, and you know, as I as I kind of shared at the Heir to the Empire episode last week, you know, characters like Thrawn don't do it for me mainly because I'm not as interested into like military or political leaders. Um, when it comes to villains, but I do love a good dark side user and that's exactly what Darth Bane is, I would imagine. So I, I feel like those stories might yeah. be right up my alley. So fair enough. Um, yeah, maybe someday we'll, we'll both have read them, Carl, and we can come back and talk about it here on the podcast. So I think that's a good, um, like October goal. I feel like Darth Bane stuff could be a good, like Halloween episode. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like yeah. that. You know, do Darth Bane instead of, you know, death troopers like some people do. So. Yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. Probably not a book I'm going to read. Yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, troopers and the, the sequel, probably not something I'll ever read. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Me neither. So, but Darth Bane, we can give ourselves a, a Halloween homework project. Jason <laughs> gives us, sure. gives us five months, yes. four months. Yes. But <laughs> yeah, plenty something of time. Like yeah. <laughs> so I should stop trying to do math on air. Cause I'll, I will really show how, pathetic i am at mathematics <laughs> so um there's a reason i have a a uh a bachelor's degree in arts and not science yes, so um yes. and that's one of them so <laughs> <laughs> um so but anyway yeah we'll enough about our, our we have a topic carl <laughs> we do and uh we we have a uh also a um a new matchup for you that I think folks are going to be pretty excited about at the end of the episode. Um, as well yeah. as, as well as a Wampusler update for the end of the show that we'll share with you on the, on the back half of the, uh, the topic, but we want to get into the topic first and foremost, Jason, 
in Star yes, Wars, every trilogy, and this is what I love. Again, it's like poetry. They rhyme, as George famously mm-hmm. said. Each trilogy has an instance where a potential new Padawan learner is ultimately uh, runs up into some disgruntled master who initially says no. Um, and case in point of that is, of course, in episode one, The Phantom Menace. Qui-Gon stumbles across Anakin Skywalker on the desert planet of Tatooine, firmly believing that this is the chosen one that prophecy has spoken of. This is the one, the force called into being to bring balance to the force. And Qui-Gon, with great gusto and, and confidence, brings that truth, brings that reality to the Jedi Council. And they reluctantly agree to test the boy, right? So even at the in, the insistence of this, there it is met with this this kind of reluctant front of like you know Mace Windu literally rolling his eyes at this. You know, you bring you speak of the prophecy, the one who bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy, right? Um, I think yeah. it's. I've always been of, under the impression that the council, the Jedi Council, at this time, they don't really hold much stock in prophecy. They don't seem to really care much for it. Qui-Gon is an outlier as a result of that, right? Uh, Would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. And they, I I get the idea that, you know, they, they agree to test uh, Anakin because despite Qui-Gon being a maverick and being, you know, a contrarian at times, um, he is still well-respected for his, his knowledge and wisdom and empathy. So this is more they are humoring him at this point. Like, all right, fine, we'll we'll do it. Not because we believe in the prophecy, you know, at this point, uh, or that you've or that you of all people have discovered it, but because, you know, we respect you. You know, so we'll we'll do this for you, Qui Gon, not for the boy. You know, we'll we'll check <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah. So Yeah. That that's definitely the kind of the, the feeling I get. So Yeah. And, 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 you know, they test him. Anakin clearly passes the tests in, in, a, in an objective way. You know, the way they, the way yes. they film that scene where we get to then see over, you know, over Mace's shoulder. Sh- my goodness. We see over Mace's shoulder. shoulder. <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, the images that are popping up and Anakin clearly nailing one after one. And Anakin passes that ob- an initial objective test. So as we kind of, you know, and I also, I, I, really love that this particular scene happens at night when 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 they finally give their ruling to Qui-Gon on what they want to do with Anakin. I love that it's at night. You know, there's that beautiful external shot of the temple itself. And then we go inside and immediately hear Kiri Mundi say, the force like they acknowledge the force is strong with him, but he won't be trained. You know, and right. and it really comes as a shock to Qui-Gon. Like uh what? What do, you, what do you do? What, um, you know, yeah. to quote, to quote Watto, um, or to quote Vader, what? <laughs> what? There's a lot of great, a lot of great what's in star Wars. Um, I still want to have like a, 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 a smash cut of all the, the what's in star Wars. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> we do need that. Um, yes, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in this moment, right. Initially the, the, the reason they give for it, you know, Qui-Gon is so taken aback by this and Mace just sitting there so casually and cool. I mean, very Samuel L. Jackson, like 
he's too old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's clearly defining who the Jedi Council is at this time, and and I almost think that's important to to designate that the Jedi Council, while they are the leadership of the Jedi Order, they are not the full embodiment of the Jedi. Um, and and I'm speaking out of the conviction of a person who comes from a religious tradition that has always been defined by its hierarchy and yet like to think of myself and like to think of others in that tradition as existing even in light of, and sometimes in spite of (laughs) the hierarchy. Um, And I think that's the truth here is that while the whole Jedi order is certainly subservient in a way to the council, the council is not the fullness of the Jedi and the council is flawed. And, and to me, this mm-hmm. really designates that this moment of their, their refusal to, tr- to let Anakin be trained because he's quote too old just shows that they are far too attached to their dogma. They are far too attached to the tradition of the way things have always been done. And this also reveals their inability and refusal to be in tune with the living force to to really be conscious of where is the living force moving and speaking and and calling out to them but their dogmatic tradition doesn't allow the space for the living force to speak and that's why they need Qui-Gon so damn bad <laughs> you know yeah yeah well they they definitely need Qui-Gon and I'm going to I'm going to offer a slightly different view on this um because they definitely fall back on their dogma when giving their reasons as to why they won't train Anakin. However, I think the initial the, the inciting incident as to why they won't train him comes from the scene when they are testing him and they ask him questions and they figure out, you know, they sense the fear in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Yoda gives the, you know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, uh, you know, line, um, which is, I think, and Yoda just sort of like sighs and says, I sense much fear in you. Like, the, the fear is there. And because of his age and how connected he is, they are afraid, the, they, the council, are afraid of what will happen if he does get trained. Yeah. Um, because that's not something that they are necessarily, it's not a normal thing. Yeah. You know, the, the, this is not a normal way to do things and stuff like that. And so I think that's sort of the, the point where they go, "Eh, this is going to be hard. And instead of saying, but we can work with it, they say, because it's going to be hard, we're going to use the, the dogma and the rule of law here to say, no, he's not eligible. Yeah. So they, I, I feel like that's more of what happens, you know, with the council. I'm reading into things and, you know, exploring subtext or whatever, but that that's, you know, that's always been my uh, understanding of it is that they, they didn't want to deal with the challenge that Anakin was going to be. Um, and because of that, they were like, all right, well, we've got these rules. He's too old. Uh, he's not going to be trained. So um, that's what we have. So that's, that's what we're going to tell everybody. And instead of, you know, making the concerted effort, because we're not convinced he is the chosen one, 
like Qui-Gon does, we don't believe that, there's no reason for us to put the extra effort into this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, that's another kind of slight indictment, though, of the council is uh, they're so wary of it. Say again. What are you saying? It still is. It definitely yeah. is. It definitely yeah, yeah. is an indictment. So. Yeah. And right. That 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 wariness they feel about Anakin's future and. They all sense it. it seems, well, when I say they all, and the only people on the council that ever seem to have a voice are Mace Windu, Yoda, and Kiedi Mundi, <laughs> in the movies at least. Um, but, you know, that said, they, their wariness centers around Anakin's fear of loss, of losing his mother. And, and again, their dogmatic teachings of what, a ta- you know, what fear can lead to, which is also somewhat mm-hmm. out of touch in my opinion. You know, what that really indicates to me is – kind of a lack of trust in the forest, <laughs> you know, in a, in a lot of ways there, they get a glimpse of the possible future for Anakin that is clouded, that has some darkness to it. And they mm-hmm. immediately get, a, they become afraid of that possibility. Um, but yeah. that, that attempt to kind of divine out the future, to figure out and to fully understand and to grasp and to hold the future. Jason, who's the only other character that seems obsessed with that? Oh, Palpatine. Oh, I'm sorry. Shocking. Did we just yeah. make villain in all of Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So in Star Wars, the one character who's obsessed with understanding and knowing and having to control the future is the darkest Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Sidious. And yet in this moment, we have the Jedi Council seeming to try to grasp the future in such a way that they're afraid of it. And therefore, they just say, well, it seems a little bit... It seems a bit dicey. We're not going to do the risk. And because of that kind of, I, again, like I, I would call it a lack of trust in, in the living force, they place, they, they kind of make that judgment onto Anakin. And, and what they're essentially telling a young Anakin, a nine-year-old boy, is that there's something wrong with being attached to the people you love. And that's going to become incredibly problematic for Anakin in his future because they're instilling in him right because, now that it's not okay to have those feelings, which, spoiler yeah. alert, that's called being human. <laughs> right, right. You know, And it's something that Qui-Gon doesn't necessarily adhere to either because, yeah. you know, as Obi-Wan has pointed out earlier in the movie, you know, why do I sense we picked up another pathetic life form? You know, and he says that with the air of someone who has seen Qui-Gon do this hundreds of times. You know, maybe maybe not hundreds, but dozens of times at least. You know, Qui-Gon is the type of person who goes out of his way to, you know, talk to the, you know, the homeless person on the corner kind of a deal. You know, yeah. that's Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, and obi-wan and the rest of the council in the phantom menace are shall we say a bit more high-minded of themselves and their role in the galaxy so yeah yeah and uh you know so i love that 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 moment when mace windu is the one who basically says like no he will not be trained and then i will say to me this is probably the one one of the most shining moment of jake lloyd's performances in this movie is it kind of just we focus on on young Anakin's face and he kind of just he kind of squints his eyes. It's this very angry glare where he just kind of 
shoots daggers at Mace Windu. Right. Yeah. So their their oh, yeah. their relationship begins in a place of mistrust. Mace doesn't trust Anakin, mm-hmm. and as a result, Anakin doesn't believe in this man. So no wonder, you know, twenty odd years later well not twenty, I guess thirteen years later, when Mace's asking for Anakin's help as opposed to this person who's always cared for him. Of course, Anakin chooses Palpatine, you know, the, because Anakin and Mace's relationship began in a, this place of mistrust. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, really love this moment. And um, while the council says no, because of its own misgivings, Qui-Gon still kind of puts forward that I'm going to train Anakin. And for Qui-Gon, He's going to do that because he really believes and really trusts in what the Force has revealed to him in Anakin. He he firmly believes this is yeah. the chosen one, and he's not going to give up on that. And I think that's why you know Dave Dave Filoni's point in the uh, you know the kind of behind the scenes Mandalorian gallery episode for the first season that kind of blew everybody's mind when Dave Filoni kind of went on this little uh, uh, thesis statement about the duel of the fates. In, in Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the reason that duel is so important is because they're dueling over the fate of Anakin. If Qui-Gon lives and trains Anakin, he becomes the full, probably the full potential of what it means to be chosen one. But if Qui-Gon falls, Anakin's doomed. And that's obviously exactly yeah. what plays out. Um, so, right, like, Qui-Gon, as someone who is attuned to the living force believes in who in who Anakin is. The council does not because it's too wrapped up in its own self-preservation. Now, one thing I will point out in, in all of the situations that we're going to get here is that while there is definitely, you know, and especially in this particular instance, um, issues with the teachers uh, and their refusal, um, where we get that quite a bit in 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 each of these things. There's also a grain of, you know, the teachers picking up on on something that will become an issue or could become an issue with their student. Um, so it's not a you know pure you know black versus white situation in any of these. However, I do think in this one, this particular instance, this is the most egregious example of the teachers just going nah. We're not going to deal with this uh, because it's a kid. Yeah. And if nurtured correctly, he can grow through these problems like all of the students can. But, you know, Anakin, <laughs> Anakin doesn't really get the chance to be nurtured the way he needed to be uh, because of the duel of the fates. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, moving forward into Empire Strikes Back, you know, Yoda Yoda is essentially, uh, when he first shows up to Luke, he's playing games with him, right? He's playing mind games. He's trying to test out where Luke's oh, yeah. head is at, where his motivations are at, where his patience is at. And when it's finally revealed that this little gremlin is, in fact, Yoda, uh, <laughs> we get a very interesting pushback, right? Empire Strikes Back opens with Obi-Wan telling Luke he's got to go to Dagobah, go go train under Yoda. Like he's confident that that's the next step for Luke. But yeah. Yoda in this moment he's really trying to t- tease out why are you in why what are you doing this for Luke, right? What is what is your why? What is your purpose here? 
And, yeah. you know, when Luke says, I oh, mostly because of my father and Yoda admits to knowing his father was a very angry guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Immediately. Powerful Jedi. How do you know who my father is? You don't even know who I am. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. He will learn. He will patience. learn. Yeah. Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? Yoda. He is too cool. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a great scene, but it's interesting how some of the same themes play out again. Yeah. Um you know, some of the same reasons and and basically from Yoda's perspective, he was hoping for something better. Uh but he sees the same flaws yeah. in Luke as he saw in Anakin. And he is, you know, even though he is the oldest and wisest Jedi Master of his age, he is still scarred by what happened at the end of the Clone Wars. You know, and and it's one of those things where he's going to have to get a, the push, but he's, he's also, you know, old enough and wise enough to know that, all right, fine, we'll give it a shot anyways. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. He's, he doesn't give a definitive no and i think part of his initial refusal is to see if luke will push back against that i think yeah. i think there's an aspect of that um in what yoda is doing you know trying to see if you know obviously he takes some convincing from obi-wan and obi-wan is you know someone who yoda very much respects at this point so he's going to go ahead and do it um you know partly because of obi-wan's insistence but I think he was going to do it anyways. Um, I just think he was probably really, you know, really trying to figure out how dedicated to what this was going to be Luke was. Yeah. Because as I, I quoted earlier, he's watched him from afar as he looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, what he was doing, you know, which is exactly the Luke Skywalker we saw in A New Hope. You know, standing out there, watching the sunset, you know, dreaming of being an adventurous hero, uh, rescuing the princess and all that fun stuff, you know. But it's, you know, those that kind of emotion is fleeting. Mm -hmm. And this is a dedication. This is a new life that he has to commit to. Yeah. And he's not going to do it for someone who's not going to care about what the future holds. Yeah. So... Yeah, and in the you know I I famously like to bring in radio the radio dramas whenever I can, and in the Empire Strikes Back radio drama episode <laughs> of this scene, uh, as Yoda kind of is testing out Luke, we get a little bit more of this, and when he's trying to figure out you know what, what is Luke really after? What again? What's his motivation? Uh, in the radio drama, Luke admits that he ultimately is seeking revenge for the for the murderer of his father because you know he he believes Darth Vader murdered his father. And he wants revenge in a way. And and Yoda even says, he's like, oh, so you're doing this for revenge? You know, and again, there is a lot of similarities between this moment and that moment in Phantom Menace, because just like in Phantom Menace, where Yoda looked into the future and saw how clouded it was for Anakin, 
what he senses in Luke is sadly some of the bedrocks of what he saw in Anakin, which is just this this heated anger. And Yoda does yeah. not want to unleash another Vader on the galaxy. And again, this is me speculating what Yoda might be thinking. But in this moment, Yoda would probably rather see the Jedi Order fade out with him than train someone who might once again fall to the dark side. Right. That's a far greater threat is creating another, you know, minion of the emperor. Um, so Yoda is mm-hmm. essentially saying no here. Um, and, and falls back on that old adage from the prequels of, yeah, he's too old, right? Too set in his ways. He's not going to be able to do this. And in a very similar mm. way, uh, Obi-Wan now kind of assumes the role of Qui-Gon, whereas Qui-Gon is like, fine, I'll do it myself. Obi-Wan doesn't quite say that, but Obi-Wan does push back and say, he can do this. You know, I believe in him. And it through that through that firm conviction of Obi-Wan and Yoda being in a new place, Yoda's not the same Yoda he was in the prequels. He trusts Obi-Wan's judgment. He really trusts the views of an outside Jedi who is so in tune with the living force and says, all right, fine. He's going to be, you're going to be afraid. No, I'm not. You will be, (laughs) um, you you know, and the most line Yoda has ever said in his life, you know, uh, is no. that you will be, you will be. Why? Why does he have to be afraid? Right. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, Yoda's reluctance is, um, and in actually in the, uh, the first from a certain point of view book, the one from a new hope, we get a little short story scene where Yoda and Obi-Wan are talking about Luke because Yoda actually in this moment wants to train Leia. He thinks Leia is the better candidate of the Skywalker children to carry on the Jedi order. And Obi-Wan kind of argues that he thinks it should be Luke. Um, and I don't remember the specific details cause it's been a while since I've read that story, but um, it's, it's interesting to see that like that was a story they extrapolated from this scene in the movie, you know, is uh, Yoda Mm -hmm. did when Luke shows up, Yoda doesn't immediately. It's not a, it's not a given that Yoda is going to train him, right? Yoda is right. No, Luke shows up and he's going to test him. He's going to test him for where's his head at. What's his motivation. And when he kind of starts to tease that out, it's like, uh, this could be a problem. Um, and, and And let's be honest, let's be honest. You know, Luke does not comport himself well in his interactions with Yoda before he knows who it's, who it is. Yeah. You know, he's dismissive. He's annoyed. He's just like, I'm just tolerating him. He's impatient. He's irritable. He does not comport himself well at all. And that is, you know, when you treat someone as apparently harmless and insignificant as an old man in a, in a bog, you know, uh, how are you going to react when you are given the power of the force? You know, this this is what Yoda is trying to figure out and why he's very hesitant at first. You know, Luke, Luke kind of fails his initial test, you know, and it's only on the recommendation of Obi-Wan that Yoda's like, all right, we'll give it another shot. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, it's as I'm, you know, as we're sitting here talking about this now, I am seeing a lot of similarities between this this moment and Phantom Menace. Um, and and mm-hmm. interestingly enough, that you know, Yoda's bringing 
um, a very profound lived experience of what can happen when a Skywalker goes wrong um, and, and the potential of their yeah. bloodline. And uh, yeah, so he, he is a little bit reluctant, but is also very open to what Obi-Wan has to say and is even open to what Luke has to say. Um, right. And uh, he points out to Luke that, you know, one of Luke's his biggest critiques of Luke is that, you know, as you've been saying, Jason, it's he's so focused on the adventure and the fun and the excitement of what this could mean that he's not taking it seriously enough. Right. A Jedi must have the deepest commitment, the most yeah. serious mind. Um, you know, that's that's not what he sees in Luke. And yet by the end of the conversation, Luke does seem to like kind of call himself to task in the moment and say, I can do this. I'm not going to fail you. Right. Like he's. He really does dig his feet into the ground in in a very in just one little moment and and i don't I'm not doubting Luke's convictions is he kind of does he put he sets himself in the, the in the mud of Dagobah there and says all right you're right i i and again this 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 kind of actually plays out a little bit more in the radio drama where Luke is like i didn't know he he actually says i didn't know any better how could I you know why would I know any better and he seems to immediately set that aside and say all right I've been ignorant." And I've, I've been a child and a bit naive, but I didn't know any better, but I'm throwing that all at the, at, at your feet now, help me become better. Right. And I think while we don't get that quite as specifically in the way it plays out in the movie, Yoda does recognize that Luke is, is capable of casting out his old ways and, and being open to something new from Yoda. And I think that coupled with Obi-Wan's, uh, uh, reference letter. Um, he's willing to take on this new recruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's funny because a lot of the reasons that, uh, that Yoda is hesitant to train Luke is exactly why Luke is hesitant to train Ray. Yes. In, in the last Jedi. You know, we jump in there, and Sheikah shows up, you know. He, but there's no reference. There's no advanced warning, you know. He has no idea that she's coming. Um, but she shows up. She's got this mission that she wants him to do, uh, it is what it appears. And then she just won't go away. Um, so it's like, but finally we get to the point where he's like, all right, why are you here? Um, and that is when Ray finally has to figure out what's going on, why she's here, why, uh, why she wants the training that she's been sort of, you know, dancing around the outside of asking for, you know, yeah. cause she doesn't outright ask him up until this point. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a great point, Jason. And and you know, Ray shows up there with this uh, it's almost naive optimism, and and Luke recognizes that from his own younger days, right? Uh, and knowing where that can lead um, from his own experience, yeah. And I think. What when Ray shows up and specifically in this moment when he he recognizes there's something special about this young woman right you've seen this place you've seen this island who are you you know and and you know in uh, very classical 
you know, wisdom master way, you know, she, she kind of, she kind of has her surface level. Well, you know, the resistance sent me, they need you to bring, no, 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 no. Why are you here? Why are you specifically here? And then she opens up about this truth of something has awakened inside of her that scares her. And Luke immediately knows she is strong with the force, but that immediately triggers Luke to thinking, I'm not the one who can start a new generation of Jedi. I tried that once already and I failed. So it brings all those feelings up for Luke again. And again, this is something so different from where we were in Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, it's this dogmatic institution that doesn't want to wiggle around its own, its own, its own rules. But here it's not about that at all for Luke. It's simply a reflection of his own failure and his inability to see beyond his own failure. And to him, Ray represents another possible victim of this cycle of Jedi failures. And Luke is like, that's, that's not my role. I'm not, that's not what I'm supposed to be. Um, You do need a teacher, but it's not me. You know? Yeah, it was. It was one of those things we we said Yoda was afraid of what happens when a Skywalker goes bad. Yeah. Which happened with Anakin. It didn't happen with Luke, but then Luke in his mind repeated that cycle with Ben because Ben went bad. Um so that's, you know, and that is where he is and it is much closer to that period than Yoda was with Anakin. Uh, before Luke showed up, you know, Yoda's had time to process and sort of work through a lot of that and, and, you know, become, become, you know, at at peace with that sort of, you know, in in a sense, whereas Luke, it's still very raw, very, you know, emotional. He's not had time to, to process and grieve through it the way Yoda had over, you know, years and years. Um, And so Ray shows up and doesn't, initially seem to know what she wants yeah uh and and that's where you know she doesn't seem to really know what she wants and when she says that she thinks she needs to be trained because of this thing that's waking up woken up inside of her i i think you know not only is it bringing back all of the failure that luke you know feels from his time with ben but it's also like if you don't know where you want to go with this thing I'm not going to train a loose cannon. Mm. So, yeah. Um and and it it sets, you know, not only Luke on a Luke and Ray on a path of sort of butting heads to try and get the training she needs, but it also sends Ray on a path to really nail down what she wants out of this. Mm. Um because she doesn't really know or hasn't or hasn't, you know, tried to find out that reason yet. So, yeah, uh, and I think that's where, interesting. Interestingly enough, uh, a difference between her and the two Skywalkers is they both had a a very firm sense of what they wanted to do with this power. You know, Anakin wanted to grow up so he could come back to Tatooine and free all the slaves. That yeah. was what he wanted to do. Luke wanted to be able to do it so he could, you know, be a hero and you know, uh, you know, be like his father was. Ray doesn't know what she wants to do with this. She just knows that it's a, it's something inside of her and she needs help with it. Yeah. She doesn't have a purpose for it yet. Right. And that I think is what scares Luke more than anything at the moment, because he doesn't, you know, know what's going to push her in what direction. So, Mm. 
so yeah, it's it's sort of a kind of an unknown for Ray, uh, which is a little unnerving for a teacher. You know, he's like, I don't know where where you want to go with this, but it's also plays directly into his fears of failure that he had with Ben. You know, so it's like he's like, no, no, we're we're gonna we're just gonna end it all here. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, you can take your Girl Scout cookies to the next house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> but who doesn't love oh, a thin mint? Sorry, that um, God, freaking tag alongs are my favorite. Uh, so anyway, good. sorry. Now I'm hungry. Um, I missed I missed them this year. They're like six bucks a box now, and I'm like, they were three bucks when my sister was a Girl Scout. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I left it a box sorry. of thin mints for my mom when I was in town at Mother's Day. So I. Uh, yeah, that that served me well. Um, Happy Mother's Day! I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that's a that's a great point about how Ray differs from Luke and, and Anakin at this point in their journey. All right, like Luke and Anakin have very clear sense of who and what they're supposed to do, and I think in some ways that's part of what limits them. Right. Uh, this this is why I can I continue yes. to love the character of Ray. Is Ray is a new type of hero, and and she's a in a lot of ways, a far more mature hero. And again, that's not to diminish Anakin and Luke. They're both still heroes. Um, but they, you know, the reason they struggle so much in in their formation, if you will, is because they have such specific goals in mind. And when those specific, those specificities don't play out the way they expect, it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. Whereas Ray, like you said, Jason, is a lot more open and, and, I mean, she confesses to Luke a little bit later in the movie, you know, I'm looking for, I need someone to show me my place in all of this. You know, she doesn't come into it thinking she comes into it qu- quite in the contrary, not thinking she's the hero of the story. She's here to bring Luke back. That's what she sees her role as in in this this particular part of the stories. My role is I'm someone special with the force. I need to bring Luke back. He'll train me and he and I will right the wrongs of the galaxy. Right. That's how she sees it. And then when Luke starts to fail her, she that's what she connects to to Kylo. It's like, oh, well, Kylo will be the one then to fix it. It's not me, though. Right. Um, Right. But I I just it's not necessarily that it's it's not necessarily that she thinks that uh, she and Luke will will fix things is she will help Luke fix things. Good point. You know, yeah, Yeah. that that is she believes. you know, she's there to to bring Luke back so that she can help Luke fix things because Luke is the one who can do it, you know, but he doesn't want to. Right. And so now what is she left with? Right. You know, right. She, she's going to, you know, figure out that she's the one who has the abilities and the power to do this. Luke sees that, but that scares him. Yeah. Because he knows what that kind of power, well, he knows what can go wrong when that kind of power is wielded incorrectly. Yep. Um, you know, not only from his own history uh with Ben, but also his own ancestry with his father. Yeah. You know. Uh so it's it is a it's a sort of a catch twenty two situation with the two of them, very much so initially. So it's like it's both like, nope, 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 we're not gonna <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. Um but of course they, they work through that and we, we get to see uh their relationship progress, you know, in some way. So, yeah. Well, and and the thing I love about, um, Ray so much 
uh, is that she uh, is somewhat in a similar way to Luke in, in, in Empire Strikes Back is she really does much more than much more so than Luke in Empire Strikes Back dig her feet into the you know dig her heels into the ground and Luke refuses her but she persists in sticking around and yeah. and really believing this is where she's supposed to be and 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 in so far as her role is to bring Luke back um and and also seek out what her place is in all of this and you know it's it's really quite incredible that uh you know Ray is someone in in so much of her life is used to people letting her down. So when she shows up there mm-hmm. with this high expectation of Luke, just she expects him to just kind of jump into things and train her and return to the fight. That's when that doesn't go the way she goes. That's not something foreign to Ray. Ray is used to being disappointed no. and is used to kind of persevering in through that, which again, this is a reason I love this character so much. And for Ray, it's, you know, she, um, she's very different. I want to especially point it out in comparison to Anakin. Anakin grows into the Jedi order somewhat with a chip on his shoulder because of that early experience, which is somewhat valid. Like Anakin's there to kind of prove them wrong, to really prove I am the chosen one. You were wrong to initially de- de- deny me. Whereas Ray doesn't have that chip on her right. shoulder. Ray is there simply to do what she thinks is right. And and I don't know, I think that's that's what makes her kind of the perfect hero. Um is she is there because she firmly believes this is where she's supposed to be and she's not going to give up until until it takes place. And that's why like I love the way I and again like I as we kind of have looked through these three particular moments, each character kind of matures further along. So, so Anakin in the prequels Mm -hmm. with that chip on his shoulder, I'm going to do this and prove everybody wrong. Luke is just like, no, like I am the, I am the descendant of a Jedi. This is my destiny. You know, that's a little more mature. It's not so much. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then it's Ray is this more mature of like, he also, he also has the idea of, of redeeming, things you know that's yeah. that's also kind of luke's idealism is like he's going to redeem it you know um which is still more mature than anakin but yes you were going to say with uh with ray being you know even more <laughs> um, yeah yeah sorry i interrupted you no um but yeah no that's what i was going to say is essentially like ray is she's kind of a, a fuller maturation of this um you know really being faithful to what you know is right to, to really being faithful to, to this truth that is awakened in you and really pursuing that even in the face of adversity, Ray's entire life has been defined by adversity and she's not going to give up. Here's a fun uh, example of of this, that this reminds me of, and I'm going to be the one that goes to scripture this time. Um, Yes. This reminds me of, of the one of the parables that Jesus told about the old woman who was uh, wronged and kept going to the judge to uh, to have him rule in her favor. He was he would just 
send her away time after time, but she came back day after day after day and wouldn't stop pestering him about it until finally he said, all right, fine. I'll do it for you just to get you out of my hair. And, and he, you know, Jesus says, be like that when in pursuit of uh, the things of God or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, that is, that is essentially what Ray does is she just is always there in front of Luke uh, and, and won't leave him alone until he gives her what she wants uh, because she's just going to wear him down. And that's, you know, that kind of reminds me of that parable a little bit. So, yeah, no, that's a, I, I love that analogy. That's that works so perfectly here. Um, and as, as you know, as we've been, we've been discussing this, it, it brings to mind for me a, a, a wonderful pop song by the incredible artist Sia, where she talks about never giving up. Oh, I love Sia. <laughs> um, but she's got that great song, literally called <laughs> Never Give Up. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Ray really personifies that in her character of, you know, uh, that, again, that's why I continually am drawn to this this particular character is, you know, when you when you go into a space because you've been guided there by good people, by good feelings, right, you know, Ray Ray is re, uh, is the reluctant character all throughout Force Awakens, and then finally admits that she has a fate, twi- uh, you know, intertwined into the stars much bigger than she thought. And then Leia is the one that taps her to go to Luke. Right? Leia instills this trust in her to go forward. You know, there's something wonderful about you, Ray. Go pursue that. And she gets there, and Luke's like, "Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not doing it." <laughs> because again, he's carrying so much of his own baggage. Right. But Ray just doesn't give up. And, uh, you know, that persistence um, really gets through to Luke. You know, he shows up at the end of that particular story and saves the day. And more than that, comes then comes in in the, in the final chapter of the Skaga to say, hey, listen, I was wrong there. You were right. Keep going the way you were going. You know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, um, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. And and here's the thing. In spite of every time these teachers said no, the three characters that we have talked about, Anakin, Luke and Le- and uh Ray, Anakin, Luke and Leia, Anakin, Luke and Ray, uh all managed to push beyond the no to become who they were meant to be. Uh because what is, you know, what is an overcoming hero's journey if not overcoming you know, even the initial bump in the road when when your teacher says, nah, this isn't what, we, what we're going to do. Yeah. And what better way to impress your teacher with, no, this is what we're going to do than by not giving up and coming back anyways. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's the hero's journey. It happens with all of those heroes, you know, but... I love the way that we get to explore it here with the this you know this saga and these three trilogies. Yeah, so. yeah, and and 
I think they all they all have something to teach us. And and I think one common thread too we didn't maybe heart you know kind of hit on hard enough and I maybe kind of close with this is in every scenario when the initial student was kind of rejected they always had someone in their corner. For Anakin it was Qui-Gon, for Luke it was Obi-Wan, for Rey it was Leia, you know? Someone firmly mm-hmm. believed in each of these characters and sent them on their way. And even when they run up to some reluctance of who they were sent to, they can kind of settle into the truth that someone really believed in you too. You're not, you're not on the wrong path. Um, and uh, I really yeah. love that about the, about these moments. So my goodness, what a great conversation, Jason. Yes. I'm so excited. It was definitely something that uh, I didn't really know how it was going to go, but I knew we were going to, gonna have a good talk because something new like i said and i always <laughs> yeah. like kittens so the new in here me too but me too that was great oh, um so we got a couple of things before we watch the show carl yeah yeah and you know as always you know always welcome your feedback to, to anything we talked about so be certain to you know let us know what you think of these moments or you know and uh we always love hearing that um but uh before we share our, our matchup with you which i i will say is Pretty, pretty fun and hopefully quite epic. Um, uh, just, just a quick, just a quick update on. Uh, uh, we're going to change things up a little bit for the summer months. Life has been crazy, <laughs> to say the least, for the both of us mm-hmm. in in the past couple mm-hmm. of months, um, for lots of reasons. And you know, as a result, like we decided, uh, just for the summer. You know, through July, possibly into August, we're gonna we're gonna go to a bi monthly show. Um, when we first started the show, you know, years bi weekly, excuse me, not bi monthly at all. Yes, thank you, Jason. Bi weekly, so so every other week we'll we will continue to record. You know, and that was actually our initial plan when we started the show, but we quickly just were so excited about this it, that that faded out quick. But uh, with with just how much is going on in life and and how cr- just just things have been. Uh, rough <laughs> for both of us in different yeah. ways. Uh, just need a little bit of time to, you know, in between shows to, to, to think about what we want to do. And, and uh, um, we don't need to go into any real specifics here, but just at the end of the day, you know, through the summer, we're going to be a, a, a bi a biweekly show. Um, obviously continuing to do the same stuff we've always done, which is just come up with fun topics to talk about star Wars and invite you into those conversations every time we do. Um, so we will not have an episode for you next week, but we will be back in two weeks for sure. And it will continue like that just through the summer mm-hmm. months while we uh, settle into some new new ways of living. <laughs> um, so hopefully you, yes. will stay, hopefully you will stay with us to all of those of you who have stayed with us through the many years and through the pandemic year, which has certainly seen uh, all sorts of new realities for all of us uh just a just a real heartfelt thank you to all of you who continue to listen to us and if you're a first-time listener tonight yes. we hope we hope you continue to come back and, and tune in in the weeks ahead because we just uh, we just love having you here and know how how much we feel honored that you take the time to to listen to us there jason and i were talking about this before we recorded today that they're obviously especially compared to 10 years ago. There are so many Star Wars podcasts out there. As we've said before, there are so many wonderful Star Wars podcasts out there. So the fact that you choose us to give, you know, an hour to an hour and a half of your time each each week or moving forward every other week, we can't thank you enough. And we hope to continue to, to have you here with us in the lair. 
Yes, indeed. Um, and like we said, we're going to do this at least through the summer. We'll see how things go with our real lives. But, you know, at least for right now, <laughs> both of us are, are in process of <laughs> of some big transitions uh, in our own real lives. So we we need some extra time away from, you know, extra time to focus on those. Uh, not necessarily away from the podcast or anything like that, but just we need some extra time to focus on those. So just for our own <laughs> sense of well-being, we're going to go to bi-weekly, or at least for the summer, and then we'll see what happens after that. But uh, we still are going to be here doing all of our, our fun, positive discussions on Star Wars because this world needs more positivity and the Star Wars community in particular needs some of it some days. I, I feel like, you know, there's a reason I'm not on Twitter, folks. <laughs> um, because I don't... Uh, anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But, uh, yes, we're, we're going to still put our, our positive conversations out there and, you know, if you don't agree with us on everything, that's fine. You don't have to. Uh, because it is a fictional universe and everyone is is entitled to their preferences and opinions. Um, but we just want to share ours as we continue on in our conversations here. So Yeah, for sure. That being said, um, Carl has come up with one of my favorite matchups that we've had <laughs> in a long time. So Carl, can you please tell everyone what we're going to have in two weeks when we come back for our next episode? Yeah, we are putting together two incredibly powerful uh, Star Wars characters. The Star Wars living legend, Mara Jade, against the most newly minted beloved Star Wars character, Ahsoka Tano. So who would win in an epic lightsaber fight between Mara Jade and Ahsoka Tano? God, I'm so excited about this matchup. I cannot wait to see what people think about it. Um, I cannot wait to see what I think about it, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, I'm very, very much looking forward to the, this matchup. And Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup, on our topic this episode, or if they want to maybe send us episode ideas, yeah. uh, where can people reach out to us? Well, of course, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can find us on uh, Instagram at the underscore Wampas Lair. Email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com or find us on uh, Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. Yeah. Um, anything else before we close down this episode, Carl? No, we look forward to seeing y'all in two weeks, though. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 429 when the teacher says no. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.